Hi, I'm Father Chris Alar of the Marian Fathers here at the National Shrine of Divine Mercy, and welcome back to another episode here on EWTN of Living Divine Mercy. St. Francis of Assisi was born Giovanni di Pietro de Bernadone in 1182 to a wealthy Italian father and a French mother. His father was upset because his mother baptized him. He wanted a soldier, not a man of God. Now, St. Francis at the time was named John, but his father didn't like this because it was after John the Baptist. So he renamed him Francesco, or Frenchman, because of his love for the country of France. He had an easy life, St. Francis did, and was well-liked, enjoying the party scene. And he even said, I lived in great sin. So how then did Francis become such a great saint? Later in life, Francis began to mature, and he wanted to become a knight to earn the prestige found in winning battles. So he joined the Fourth Crusade. But God told him that he had it all wrong and told him to return home. When he did, he was humiliated, laughed at, called a coward by the village, and mistreated by his father for the money that Francis wasted on his armor. Ironically, this began his conversion. One day, Francis, who hated deformity and sickness and germs, met a leper. Repelled by his appearance and his smell, he dismounted his horse and actually kissed the man. When his kiss of peace was returned, Francis was filled with joy. And as he rode off, he saw that the leper had disappeared, most likely being Christ himself. His search for conversion led him to the ancient church at San Damiano where there he heard Christ on the crucifix speak to him, Francis, repair by church. At this point, he took it literally, meaning the physical condition, not the spiritual condition of the parish. So he took fabric from his father's shop and sold it to get money to repair the church. Francis began to use his father's wealth to restore other churches. This caused conflict with his dad, but this didn't matter to him. He regarded himself as the husband of lady poverty, rather than a rich man's son. His father, however, saw this as an act of theft, and together with Francis's cowardice, he thought, was a waste of money and dignity. His growing disinterest in money, being Francis, made him seem more like a madman than a son to his father. So his father dragged Francis before the bishop and in front of the whole town demanded that Francis return the money and renounce all rights to his heir. But the bishop was kind to Francis. He told him to return the money and said God would provide. That was all Francis needed to hear. He gave back the money and stripped off all his clothes that his father had given him. So wearing nothing but rags, he went off into the freezing woods, singing as he went. Then robbers, 
beat him and stripped him naked. Well, he climbed out of the ditch and went off singing again. From then on, Francis had nothing, but he really had gained everything. Although he became uh, a deacon but was never ordained a priest, Francis started to preach. He was not a reformer. He mainly preached about returning to God and being obedient to the church. Slowly, people came from all over to Francis, waiting to follow his life of sleeping outside, begging for garbage to eat, and loving only God. Poverty or total detachment was the key for him. He began to realize that he had to have some direction in his life. So one day he opened the Bible to three different places. He read the command to the rich man to sell all his goods and give to the poor. Then he read the order to the apostles to take nothing on their journey. And then he read the demand to take up your cross daily. Here is our rule. Francis exclaimed. So he founded the Order of Friars Minor, the Franciscan Order. This is the first order, and then came the second order of nuns called the Poor Clares. The name came from Claire of Assisi, who followed Francis and became the patron of television. Ironically, or providentially, Mother Angelica of EWTN television fame was a poor Claire nun. Franciscans were then known for wearing the tonsure, which is the practice of cutting some or all of one's hair on the scalp. It is a sign of religious devotion and humility to counteract vanity. The term originates from the Latin word tonsura, meaning clipping or shearing, and referred to a specific practice in medieval Catholicism. Current usage more generally refers to cutting or shaving for the monks as a symbol of the renunciation of worldly fashion and esteem. Yes, it definitely isn't a popular look amongst the world. The rope was worn by the Franciscans, or is, as a belt. This is called a cincture, and they wear it around the waist, symbolizing being girded with Christ. And it is tied um, in three Franciscan knots that signify the vows of poverty, chastity, and obedience. And each knot has five coils to remind them of the five wounds of Christ. The habit that they wear is brown to show the color of the earth and the dirt from which they are tied. It is to cultivate the humble heart. Hummus is the Latin word for ground and from where we get the word humility. They wear the robe in hopes that they will acquire the habit of Christian truth and humility. St. Francis also felt that all of nature was a part of his brotherhood. The sparrow was as much his brother as the pope to him, and he used to preach to any birds who listened. <laughs> and a famous story involves a wolf that had been eating people in a nearby village. 
Francis intervened and uh, when the town wanted to kill this wolf. And he actually talked to the wolf and told him to stop killing. <laughs> he learned the wolf killed because it was starving. So the people he said, had to agree to feed the wolf. And the wolf ended up becoming a pet of the townspeople who made sure that he always had something to eat. <laughs> okay, so following the gospel literally, Francis and his companions went out to preach two by two. At first, listeners were hostile to these men, uh, wearing rags, trying to talk about God's love. People even ran from them in fear that they'd catch this strange madness. And they were right. Soon, these same people noticed that these barefoot beggars seemed filled with joy. And people had to ask themselves, how could one own nothing and be so happy? Francis did not try to abolish poverty. He tried to make it holy. And finally, when his friars would meet someone poorer than themselves, they would rip off the sleeve of their habit to give it to them. They worked for all necessities and only really begged if they had to. Francis said, if we had any possessions, we would need weapons and laws to defend them. He said, what could you do to a man who owns nothing? You can't starve a fasting man. You can't steal from someone who has no money. And you can't embarrass someone who hates prestige. They were truly free. This is detachment. And as he would have it, Francis's final years were filled with humiliation and suffering. He had a vision in September of 1224, which was the feast of the exaltation of the cross, of sharing in Christ's passion. He then was one of the first ever recorded to get the stigmata, other than maybe St. Paul. He got the marks of the nails and the lance wound in his side that Christ suffered in his own body. The story of Francis grew, and that made his, his home of Assisi a popular pilgrimage destination. Today, he's one of the most beloved saints in the history of the church. He died in 1226, and his feast day is on October 4th, part of the most powerful week of the saints in the entire church calendar. Along with St. Therese of Lisieux on October 1st, our guardian angels on October 2nd, his is October the 4th, St. Francis. St. Faustina is October the 5th. And Our Lady of the Rosary is October the 7th. Wow. Now, let's hear the story of Jennifer Hubbard, whose daughter unfortunately died at the Sandy Hook shooting. Um, Jennifer started a foundation in her daughter's memory because she loved animals just like St. Francis. Let's hear this great story. December 14th, 2012. Jenny Hubbard had just watched her two children board the school bus in Newtown, Connecticut. Freddie, eight years old, and Catherine, six. After the chaos of getting the kids ready for school, Jenny always enjoyed relishing in the calm of the morning but her peaceful moments didn't last long 
her family's world was about to change forever. The phone rang, and literally it was another friend saying, something's happened at the school. Without the slightest hesitation, Jenny headed to the school, only to discover her worst nightmare once she arrived. I saw Freddie off in the distance, and, and we, I, we locked eyes, and I went over to him, and he was just, he was numb, because they had just lived through just pure hell. Um, and his first words to me was, I, well, I can't find Catherine. 20-year-old Adam Lanza had just taken the lives of 20 first graders and six adult staff members at Sandy Hook Elementary School in Newtown, Connecticut. The tragedy is still known today as the deadliest elementary school mass shooting in U.S. history. The innocent voice of Catherine Violet Hubbard was one that was silenced that day. From there, you just are faced with this reality of within a heartbeat, our lives were totally different. As a parent, you can come to a place of understanding that you realize that your children are not yours. Um, and you have to have some sort of faith that God has their heart at his center. Jenny truly lived through the worst agony a parent could ever have to endure. But through all the trials that have touched her life since the tragedy, she has found a place of peace. She made the choice to move past the grief and honor her daughter's life. The Catherine Violet Hubbard Animal Sanctuary was our response to honoring Catherine's life. Her solitary goal in life was to make sure that any animal in her care, any creature that she came across, knew two things, that she was kind and they'd be safe. It's at the heart of what we do at the sanctuary. The Catherine Violet Hubbard Animal Sanctuary is on 34 acres of beautiful cultivated land and is a place of healing for a community that is still grieving. December 14th was not a day that was isolated to 26 families who lost. The reality is, is that the world lost a little bit of innocence on that day. I think if you need to uh, weed the waste station, I'm gonna weed between the rows. Okay. The sanctuary is really a result of volunteers contributing in ways that they can share their time, their talent, their expertise. Sometimes I'll snip it down. The mission is about kindness, um, helping the environment and, um, and the habitat. When I'm here, I'm at peace. You, you know, I can be all sweaty and dirty, and, but I'm just kind of in the zone and, and loving it and making it even more beautiful. Also through volunteer support, the mile-long Trail of Angels was created on the sanctuary property to provide peaceful hiking opportunities for people and animals alike. Doing something like this for the community, for Jenny, for Catherine, for Freddie, just meant the world to me. So can I have one of these letters? Because I can reach out to the folks over Jenny Hubbard and her staff are always looking outward to find other ways to serve the community and further honor Catherine's deep desire to care for animals. 
the Senior Paw Project began to honor the bond between caregivers and their pets. The Senior Paw Project was created to ensure that financially insecure seniors wouldn't have to make decisions between themselves and their pets. We want to help people keep pets in their homes, which is the rightful place for the pets to be. At the end of the month, when you're on a fixed income and you're kind of balancing what you can pay for, does Jack get a can of dog food or do I eat tuna fish? So he always gets the can of dog food. Not only does the Senior Paw Project help seniors afford pet food, but there is also financial assistance available for veterinary care and respite care for the pet when the caregiver is facing rehab or hospital stays. It's just wonderful and gives me such a peace knowing that Jack's taken care of. This past June would have been Catherine's 17th birthday. Since 2016, Jenny has thrown a birthday party in her honor. A butterfly party, to be specific. Yet another tribute to Catherine's love for living creatures. This year, the foundation welcomed over 12,000 people to the party. The goal of the free event is always to find homes for animals in need at no cost. I think what we've shown is that in a world where we can tell kids to be kind, is a lot easier to show them how to be kind. When you teach a person to care for their animals, to care for the environment that an animal calls home, in a quiet way, you're showing them how to be compassionate. Today, a short distance from Sandy Hook Elementary School is a memorial called The Clearing. The commemorative garden was designed with help from a few parents of the children killed in the tragedy of 2012. It is a place for reflection, a place to grieve, and a place to honor. 400 children in that school that were in one way or another impacted. And because of that, their families were impacted. This is a story about reconciliation and forgiveness. The reconciliation has been with God and myself. And forgiveness has been with God and myself. God knew what was going to happen. And he, he knew that you're either going to lean in or lean out. It's about trust. It's about stillness. How sweet it is to toil for God and souls. I want no respite in this battle, but I shall fight to the last breath for the glory of my King and Lord. I shall not lay the sword aside until he calls me before his throne. I fear no blows because God is my shield. It is the enemy who should fear us and not we him. Satan defeats only the proud and the cowardly because the humble are strong. Nothing will confuse or frighten a humble soul. I have directed my flight at the very center of the sun's heat and nothing can lower its course. Love will not allow itself to be taken prisoner. It is free like a queen. Love 
attains God. Now let's hear a little bit more about another saint, St. Anthony of Padua, who is good friends with St. Francis. Hi, my name is Father Anthony Gramlich, and this is Saints in Focus. Without a doubt, St. Anthony of Padua is one of the world's most beloved and popular saints. Known for finding lost articles, awe-inspiring miracles, love for the poor, and friendship with St. Francis of Assisi, his feast is celebrated on June 13th. Hosts of miracles have been attributed to St. Anthony's intercession. St. Anthony had a book of Psalms that he loved. He used it for teaching, and it contained his personal notes and comments. A novice who decided to leave their religious community stole St. Anthony's book. St. Anthony prayed for it to be found. The novice was not only moved to return St. Anthony's book to him, but he returned to the community as well. St. Anthony, St. Anthony, please come around. Something is lost and cannot be found. Another of St. Anthony's most famous miracles involved a mule who knelt in adoration before the Holy Eucharist. Born not in Padua, Italy, but in Lisbon, Portugal in 1195, at the age of 15, St. Anthony chose to join the Order of St. Augustine. At 17, he was sent to a monastery in the town of Coimbra, where he studied for nine years and where he is believed to have been ordained to the priesthood. In 1219, local Franciscans, including the future St. Berard of Carvio, traveled as missionaries to Morocco. There, they were brutally martyred for preaching about Jesus Christ. St. Anthony begged his superiors to let him join the newly formed Franciscan order so that he too could go to Morocco to suffer the same fate of martyrdom. Illness led him instead to Assisi, where he was given menial tasks and asked to serve as a chaplain. He never mentioned his level of education to his newfound companions. He was blessedly content with his new life of seclusion and contemplation. In 1222, he was ordered to preach at a priestly ordination. All were amazed at his authority, fire, and holiness, including St. Francis. He assigned St. Anthony to preach in Northern Italy. He preached conversion and reconciliation with the merciful God. Once, while staying in the home of a man, the man came upon St. Anthony, bathed in heavenly light, holding the child Jesus in his arms. This is the reason St. Anthony is often depicted holding the Christ child. St. Francis promoted St. Anthony to provincial superior of all Northern Italy with residents in Padua. Crowds that came to hear him preach were as large as 30,000 people. He listened to confessions and fasted often entire days. He loved peacemaking and justice. He also authored an exceptional biblical concordance along with many sermons. He died in 1231. Just one year later, he was canonized by Pope Gregory IX, who referred to St. Anthony as the Ark of the Testament, also nicknamed the Repository of Holy Scripture and the Hammer of Heretics. St. Anthony was declared a Doctor of the Universal Church in 1946 by Venerable Pope Pius XII. St. Anthony of Padua, Doctor of the Church, pray for us. Now let's hear from a very special friend of our Marian family. This is Marian Helper Donna. 
14 years ago, I came to uh, Divine Mercy Sunday. Um, lots of pilgrims out here, and I got to meet Father Chris at that time. Divine Mercy has a lot of meanings, but I mostly think of the rays coming out of Jesus, the blood and the water. I think of his gift of salvation for us, his dying for us, his um, opening the gates of heaven for us. And I just love Sister Faustina and how she's given us so much insight to the amazing goodness of God. The Marian Outreach has been so beneficial to me and my family and our community, our church community. We have um, get-togethers where we actually uh, pray together, we say the rosary, and then we have a dinner together, but then we watch um, the YouTubes um, on Father Chris's teachings. I'm so thankful that we have truth um, given to us that we're able to um, all anchor into what the church is teaching. And I just, I'm so grateful. As a wife and a mother, I would say that my anchor is Jesus. He's everything. And Our Lady who wraps her mantle around us, I think that's the key to just staying connected to the Lord and to weathering the trials of life. And um, Mary just teaches us how to be other Christs in the world. And that has really helped me and my family. I can't say enough about coming out here to Eden Hill. It's beautiful and the people are beautiful and so welcoming, and um, the grounds are spectacular. I think my favorite thing was going through the stations next to going to Mass, um, Little Adoration, um, the Divine Mercy Chaplet, um, everyone so friendly, loving. Um, the Holy Spirit really flows through all of you. Thank you. Well, thank you, everybody, for joining us this week about St. Francis, one of the great saints of the church, and be with us next week as we talk about the priesthood. And until then, may Almighty God bless you and your family and heal you of any ills of the mind, body, or soul. And I bless you in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. <laughs>